It's good that we keep hearing some of the familiar stories of the scriptures because sometimes when we hear them for the first time, we make judgments about their worthiness. As youngsters, we sometimes judge the value of a gospel by its length. Having heard the story of the woman at the well as a child, I didn't get it. It just seemed to be a long conversation that Jesus was having with someone who misunderstood his intentions. It didn't fit with my experiences at the time. So that's why it's good for us again and again each year or in a three-year cycle to, to hear some of those familiar stories because we have changed in that three years. And so to hear these stories again allows us to just say, I see what he's saying not to the woman, but to us. Now this gospel, in fact the three readings of today, you could just hold these again and again and almost do some type of study course about them because they are so rich in their connection. All of them pick up what is probably the key theme of what Jesus wanted us to know. The theme at the heart of all of the Gospels. That we are loved by God in our sinfulness. The first reading, you had the the grumbling um, followers of Moses in the Exodus. Why have you brought us to this crazy place? Why have you taken us away? At least we were in slavery, but we were getting a meal a day. We're out here in the desert and, and there's nothing to eat and nothing to drink. And in the midst of their grumbling, God says, well, I'm not going to punish you for your disloyalty, for your lack of belief. In fact, I'm going to give you what you need. Sometimes it's good for God to leave us just a little bit by ourselves while we start to ask ourselves the priority of what is important for me? What do I actually want in my life? Or do I just want to turn God on like a tap saying, I need you now, do something for me. I'll get back to you later when I'm next in need. That beautiful reading also from Paul to the Romans. Hope never disappoints us. Holding on. Hope is that sometimes that desperate thing that you say, I've got nothing left to cling to but hope. And Paul's saying to the Romans, well, hold on to it with both hands because it's not going to disappoint you. It's just how long the grip will be. Not because God's testing us, but we test ourselves. We see if we're really genuine about what it is that we, that, uh, we want from God. That great phrase of his, what proved God loves, loves us is that he died while we're still sinners. We weren't perfect people. He needed to let people know that this is how much I care for you, I think about you, and this is how much God loves you. In the state that you're in, in your frailty, in your human weakness, he's giving you this gift of me. The Gospel it's probably the greatest lesson in how best to bring about a conversion in somebody. So different from the, the televangelists that you might hear on Sunday morning or the salespeople really giving you the big sales pitch. 
Most of them work on the principle that uh, if you make other people feel small and insignificant, they'll be desperate for somebody to come in and make them feel better about themselves. It's easy to be led by people who appear so confident before us. Sometimes we don't even know where they're leading us. We're just happy to follow because it's great to get behind somebody who's so confident when we're not. But Jesus doesn't try that. He doesn't try to fool this woman in any way. First of all, he approaches her in gentleness. He's not forcing the connection. A simple conversation. Can I have something to drink too? I'm thirsty. This is almost the longest conversation that you'll hear Jesus having with anyone. And he shouldn't be having it. This is a Samaritan woman. Nobody else around, notice. The disciples have gone into town and he's sitting there at Jacob's well. It would be most inappropriate for anyone to see this conversation going on. The single man speaking to what we know from the rest of the Gospel is a much married woman. People clam up when people are too forceful. We get suspicious. There's a great difference between asking and demanding and Jesus is simply saying, can I have some water? He begins from a position of weakness. He's the one in need. I'm thirsty. But in doing so, he's letting her know that she has something to provide. Simple as it is, she's got the bucket she can dip into the well. But already, she's asked the question, why are you a Jew asking me a Samaritan for this? There's something odd here. So what, instead of um, making her feel less than she already feels, and that's what most people would have been doing to her, he treats her with great respect. There's no hint of judgment or accusation for this woman. In my life I've experienced that the holier a person is, the less inclined they are to judge other people. It's as though there's a great wisdom that comes from people saying, well, it doesn't really matter to me what you've done in the past. Who you are for the present and who you might be for the future is really what's important. And she worked this out, that this man could have pointed the finger at her. But that's not important to him. No one recently has paid her the attention that she seemed so desperate and sad for in this confused life of hers. In that conversation, somehow, he was able to see the wounds of her previous broken relationships. And then he makes this great statement, not just to her, but for the rest of humanity. If only you knew the gift that God is offering you. If only we knew what it was that was truly being offered. We would be overjoyed, we would be desperate to make our lives right in the paths that aren't. And that's kind of why we come to this well week after week. We're wanting to be reminded that there is something that we need to drink here. That we in our spiritual lives are quite thirsty. And the gift that he says is the one that I started with. We are loved in our sinfulness. 
It's no great thing for God to love us if we're perfect people. That's kind of an easy thing to do. But to love somebody despite their failures, their weaknesses, their sinfulness, that's something that we really can't grasp ourselves because we don't do it to others. Just let them cross us one way. Let them be critical people of us. Let them do something that we've heard in their personal life or their business life and they're white. And in doing so, we don't give them a chance to grow from that. He's teaching her and teaching us that the greatest good we can do for any other person is not to give them our wealth, but to show them how to dig into their own store of giftedness. So today you have come to the well, and I'll ask you, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for what's going to be offered here tonight? Are you prepared to drink the water that God is offering? This new life, this body and blood of his son. Or are you a little suspicious? Nothing this good comes without a catch. Or maybe there is a catch. If you really drink it, if you drink deeply from what it is that God is offering from this well of salvation, you won't be thirsty anymore. You'll see what it is that you have to do. You'll be clear about the direction. The path will be straight before you. And that can be a scary thing for us. You have to work out whether you're brave enough to drink of the water.